Well, we are um, just continuing to, to plod along in the Gospel of Matthew. And, uh, but I also want to um, uh, acknowledge some things that, are, that have been going on. I know um, last week, what was it on Thursday? Was it Thursday when we had uh, Florida? Uh, was it Wednesday? Wednesday. That's right, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we had that. We had um, even locally here on the 10 freeway, uh, we had an accident. I don't know if you heard about that, where five people lost their lives. Um, and um, so, you know, there's things that happen um, all around us. And um, what, we, what we are sure of um, is that we live in a fallen world. We don't have the answers to everything, okay? Um, and what we need to do as, as God's people is continue to proclaim the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. Um, I know that, um, you know, it's in times like these that people need more of our prayers and our political views. Um, they need for us to rally around them and um, tell them that there is one that is closer to them than anyone else, and that is the Lord. And so um, that's what we need to do as a church. All right, so um, for those who have experienced loss in uh, Parkdale, uh, Florida, then as a church, I want to ask you to continue to pray for the families there, um, as well as those that lost um, loved ones here locally. And, and there are many more situations throughout the world. I just uh, I had a, a notice come up on my phone this morning um, that um, there was a shooting. You get worldwide news. Um, I believe it was in Russia to where someone went into a church and and shot away, and um, so that that's uh, that kind of gives you uh, somewhat of an idea, right? As you very well know about really where we are as a people, as the world. Um, so for us, we need to stand fast. We need to stay solid in God's word. We need to stay solid, abiding in Christ. And, and sharing that hope with other people. So don't, don't stop doing that. You, you don't hold back. You need to be confident in that because that's the will of the Lord. And so um, I just want to encourage you with that because what we have is we have a certain hope, right, in Christ, amen? We have a certain hope. It's not doubtful. It's not something that uh, we, we take it or leave it, but it's a certain hope. So we can stand fast in the Lord as we... Uh, face any trials, any tribulation, because th this, is, this is not as good as it gets. No matter how good it can get this side of heaven, th this, this is not it. Um, in fact, it's not even worth mentioning in comparison to the glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, which reminds me as well, because we were... So the last couple days on Friday and Saturday, the leadership of the team went to Calvary Chapel Downey, and uh, we, we sat under some great teaching. I mean, just the, the crescendo of it all was David Guzik yesterday to just close it all up, and then we shared in, in communion. But, um, but the, whole, um, the whole conference was based on, what was it, Second Corinthians chapter 2, right? Which ones? Who is it? Three and four. Three and four. So we, we know, we are to know the God of all comfort, 
And uh, there's so much that was said with all of that. So um, it was, I'll, I'll just make this sound, all right, and then I'll explain to you what that means. Drip, 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 drip. I've heard it before, and, um, you know, if, if that happens over and over and over and over and over in your home, especially if it's not in the place it was supposed to be doing that, it's not a good thing, apparently. As soon as we came through the door last night and we came to the house, I smelled like humidity, like, you know, like when it's damp. Yeah. Oh, no. Right? And so I, I walked through and I'm like, that's, that's an odd smell, right? And so we were trying to figure it out. Is it the flowers? You know, because we left them there for Valentine's. And I was, you know, I was hoping, I was hoping it was just the flowers, you know, just like, oh yeah, that's a foul smell, you know, that's coming. But, but then, you know, as, as I investigated, came around, I thought, hmm, the water heater. Let me check out the water heater, right? And sure enough, we have it behind this, this panel. And so I, I took the panel off the wall and, and there it was. It had a nice little puddle underneath it. And I thought, you know, we had gotten home. I don't know what time was it, about nine or something like that. Um, and I was thinking, oh, good, I'm going to come home and be able to, you know, just get some rest. And there I was with the shop bag, <laughs> vacuuming that whole place out. And, uh, and so what I was trying to do, I, was, I knew I wasn't going to fix it because the, the drip was from the bottom of the heater, right? So it was going nowhere. Um, so I stole one of your pans, by the way, and, uh, <laughs> and, and put it underneath it, knowing that it wasn't going to like hold everything, but at least it would make it run like out from under it, right? And uh, then you guys know how to make a wick out of cloths and all that? I made a wick out of like a, a t-shirt, <laughs> let it run down into a little area um, to where it, it wouldn't affect the, the drywall and all of that. So that's where it's at. So we have a puddle right there, and I'll get to it afterwards. That's one of those things. As I looked at the, uh, at the house um, that was there, the image of, of Haiti, it kind of like, it was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm telling, do you have that image? I don't know if you can bring it up. Beth? There. Yeah. So there. That's actually a nicer home in Haiti. That's a nicer home, right? For those of you that went last year, that's a nicer home. I mean, that, that's eventually going to have a roof as you see the framing going up and all of that. Um, but they, they don't have much of anything. Their restroom is literally... Literally a hole in the ground, and um, they have some cinder blocks, and there you go. That's it. But they are the most joyful people. The simple things in life, they are overwhelmed with. It, it's, it's amazing. Whatever they're provided with, whatever they have, um, and they're so willing to share. They just want to, like, here, come, you know, have coffee, have bread, you know, have everything. You know, whatever you want, um, you can have. And, and uh, so it just reminded me, you know, God is good. We have a roof over our heads. Um, we have so much more than what we would ever need, right? And so I'm thinking, you know what the Lord's provided to where, thank God, 
to where this afternoon I'll be taking some time to go. I, need, I have to go get another water heater and, and replace it. But the Lord's provided that. And it's funny, sometimes we don't know how, how it is or why it is that the Lord's provided a little more than what we need. And then something like this happens, and then you realize, ah, okay, Lord, that's, that's why. You had me covered the whole time. You know, you, you, you gave a little bit more, provided a little bit more for things like these. Um, so many times, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, um, you know, that happens, or we don't know where it's going to come from, and we have something happen to one of our cars, and then, you know, it just so happens that either someone can help out, or the Lord provides financially, and we can just, just get it done. It, it's okay. So the Lord loves us so, that much. It amazes me. So where even if we go without, maybe we didn't need that to begin with. Right? And that's okay. Maybe he's bringing us to a place to where we just trust in him a little bit more. Not that he gives us all the time, because uh, our other son, he's in the Navy, he's in Japan. He, he, tell, he tells us, yeah, my ship's like half broken. You know, and like, well, half broken, what's going on? Why are you out at sea, you know? And so we didn't understand this, but uh, when he came back, I was talking to Bettina, and uh, and, he, and she said, yeah, they're, they're showering cold. They're cold showers. Apparently, their, their water heater doesn't even work <laughs> on the ship. I'm sure the officers are showering warm, though. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so who are we to complain, right? Who are we to complain? And like I said, it just reminds me that, that God, God is good all the time. We, we can't receive the good and not receive the bad. We receive it all, and as we're, we're seeing, you know, the, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, right? So with that, we take the good and the bad, knowing that the, everything working good is working in us, a maturity, an understanding, a trust in him, a faith in him, a love for him, uh, a, knowing that um, when we are weak, he is Strong through us, though, in us. He desires for us to... So all of those things. So be encouraged. If you're, if you're going through anything this morning, know that the Lord is with you. He will never, never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will, won't turn away from you. In fact, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you, these you will not despise. You will not turn your back from. And so we, knew, we know that that is very true. He's there with us. So... And that brings us to this morning's message in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Uh, we're covering this amazing miracle that Jesus performed uh, in the feeding of the 5,000. We know that it was uh, much more because the account that we were given was all men, but there were, it was a, a mixed crowd. It was just not men, it was women and children as well. They were all part of this big old gathering that we find here in this section of Matthew chapter 14. The title of this morning's message is Bring It to Jesus and He Will Satisfy. Remember that. Bring it to Jesus and He will satisfy. So let's, uh, let's stand to our feet and we're going to read, read these verses. Bring it to Jesus and He will satisfy. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. 
Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When the crowds, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he went. Uh, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, "This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves." But Jesus said. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They took up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we study your word, Father, that you would, that it would serve you to bring you glory as we not only reflect on this, but you give us understanding that we would apply it to our lives, that we would be encouraged, built up, strengthened, given clear direction as far as your wisdom is concerned and how it is that we are to apply this to our lives, to your glory. And, and for those of us who think that we have too little to serve you with, too little to give to others, May we be reminded that as we give it to you, and you give us that which is necessary to bless you, that it will be enough to satisfy anyone that you place before us, including ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We want to commit it into your hands we pray your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is there that God cannot do? What is there? That's true. He can't lie. He can't deny himself. He can't be faithless. Okay, practically. <laughs> What is there that God cannot do? What is it that he can't do, right? God is limited by nothing. He is limitless. Nothing is more powerful than he, and nothing is beyond his knowledge. Nothing surprises him. Oh, this one really stumps me. Man, you have me in a hard place. I never saw this coming. He's never said that. He never will. He's omniscient. He knows all things, past, present, and future. What we have before us is an amazing miracle that Jesus performs that I am sure we are all very familiar with. We, we've all heard the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000 on that grassy knoll, right? We've heard of this story. He fed 5,000 men with five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, I, I ask you this question. 
is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Even that? What we have here is a story of Jesus' compassion as he saw the multitudes and he was moved. Uh, the, the scripture tells us here that he was moved in the depth of his soul. He was moved with compassion for the people who were there, the multitudes that were there. He also had compassion for his disciples. In fact, that is what he expressed prior to expressing his compassion for the multitudes. It was first for his disciples and then for everyone else. Jesus today is a provider. He gives us provision. And he knows when we are in need of anything. And there is nothing he cannot do. Even if you don't see how it would be possible. It really doesn't matter. Whether you or myself believe that it's possible or not. We can debate that all day. We can debate whether the five loaves and two fish were actually turned in literally into so much food that it could feed 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. We can debate that. It really doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that it happened. It did occur. He did multiply the bread and the fish. The most important thing that we will see this morning, and I pray that we understand personally, is not that Jesus can perform miracles, but that he can make the impossible happen for our sake. No, not that. Right? Oftentimes we, we look at God like as if he's, he's our genie. We do. Oh man, we want... That would be awesome if he could stop the leak that's happening in my home. And he can. But that may not be what he desires. That, and I'm okay with that. Right? Like whatever your will is. The most important thing is to simply acknowledge him for who he is. That's it. Broken heaters, broken cars, broken homes, broken lights, all that, that's beside the point. Broken lives is what he came for. And if we acknowledge him for who he is, that's what matters. That's really what matters. Nothing else does. He's not to be seen primarily for the God who can give us things out of thin air. For our benefit, our advancement, our personal exaltation even. But with a faith and a trust in Him, we simply seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. When we truly understand who Jesus is in our lives, if He is Savior and Lord, then we can rest in Him. We can trust in Him and live our lives without anxieties, without worries, without really these heavy stresses. We, we can truly, that is possible. God tells us, do not be anxious for anything. He wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't possible in Him. Why are we to cast all our cares upon Him? Why? You guys know this, the verse? Because He cares for us. 
Oh, it wouldn't be a very caring God if he told us that and it wasn't true. But it is possible. Are you going through anything today? Anything heavy? Anything at all? Any anxiety, any worry, any stress? I am stressed out beyond belief. Well, God tells us he can, and he desires to, take that from you and take it upon himself. We can be in the midst of trials and, and still be at complete peace. Not liking the situation, but we can be at peace. Many times we see what we have in our hands and do not see that God can do what God can do with that when we surrender it to Him to do what He pleases. Providing with that for things we thought were impossible. The very little that we have with that. So with that we can do and serve and bless those in front of us. We are to be content with that. The Apostle Paul was content with whatever he had or did not have. He was fine with that. But if you're content with that and you, you, you bring the little that you do have before the Lord, give it to him, he'll give it back to you so that you can serve and bless others. And in that same way, you're serving and blessing him. Do you have too little? Are you saying you don't have much or anything to offer? Well, surrender it to the Lord and watch him multiply and serve others through you in ways you thought were absolutely impossible. So bring it to Jesus and he will satisfy. So Jesus feeds the multitudes here in these verses. Jesus had just learned that John the Baptist was murdered. We, we want to make sure that we understand where we're at. Jesus had just heard John the Baptist was murdered. He was beheaded, left the area and retreated. He withdrew to a desolate place. Jesus' disciples, the twelve, had been sent out by Jesus to proclaim, as it says in Luke 9-2, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Luke 9-6 says, And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. This, is, this precludes what we're covering this morning. Just so we understand in better context what we're covering, and the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in what he was teaching them himself. And it was at this time that Jesus had withdrawn, that the disciples returned to him from going throughout, healing and preaching, and told him all that they had done according to Luke 9.10. And Jesus saw the crowds, how the people had come from all over to see him and hear from him and for him to heal their infirmities. Not only had they heard that Jesus had made the blind see, the mute speak, the paralyzed walk, and cast demons from people, but remember that Jesus had also calmed the storm that had seemingly overwhelmed the boat that he and the disciples were in. All of this leading up to this point. The 12 disciples, in fact, as they were sent out, all 12, were given power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He did this. They came back to him and gave, they were given a report to him. They also were casting out demons and curing diseases, and the people 
Jesus was doing this, right? They were doing this, and the people were gathered in great numbers. Why? Because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick, according to John 6, 2. That's why they were gathering. Oh, we want to see him do more. This, this is pretty amazing. Hey, guys, gather around. We're going to go right over here. We saw where Jesus went. He, he went into the boat, and he went off to this place out in Bethsaida, and, and uh, we know where he landed, so let's all go. Hey, you know, come. And they gathered great crowds, thousands of people, thousands of people. Imagine they were, they were trying to retreat, withdraw, to get rest and relaxation, to be refreshed, Jesus and the team, right? They were going off, and Jesus was concerned with the disciples. He knew, hey, you know what? It was tough to eat with everyone and everything that they were doing. And they hadn't had any, any leisure whatsoever, so he thought, you know what? Let's go. But the crowds came. You know, it would have been acceptable for Jesus to simply say, you know what, not now, give us a moment. Not, not now. We're, we're, we're exhausted. We are so tired. You guys know everything that we've been doing. These 12 men here, my disciples, they just came back from going throughout all the villages, preaching the gospel and healing people. We, we just want a moment. Can you give us a moment it would have been acceptable, wouldn't it have been? Right? It's like, okay, yeah, we understand that. But that's not what he did. He didn't do that. Oh, we're such a culture that wants our rest. Aren't we? Oh, man, we like take that to the nth degree, don't we? I, I'm, I'm exhausted. What I also heard these last two days, I was encouraged by the other pastors that were, that were teaching. One of the things is, we've hashtagged it. Hashtagged it, don't stop. Keep going. Don't, don't stop. You, you know who, whose name you're going in. You know that when you are weak, you are strong in Christ. In fact, that's when God really gets the credit. That's when God really gets the glory. When you, like, you don't have anything left. These guys had, had nothing left in and of themselves. They had nothing. But Jesus didn't say, take it easy. <laughs> he, he didn't say that, right? He didn't say that at all. A few things that we need to consider here. Because, in fact, Scripture tells us that he not only healed the sick, he not only met them where they were, but he, also, he taught them all day. He, he kept going. Jesus taught them, taught them. This was the example that the disciples had. We're tired, Master. We're tired, Lord. It's okay. Take note. We're going to heal and teach right now. Okay. Let's go. Let's keep going. They did it all day. All day. They got to the end of the day. It was the end of the day. We have here. It was the evening, right? They did this all day. Number one, Jesus will never lack compassion for those in need, no matter what time, no matter what place. 
no matter how much has been done previously. Jesus will never lack compassion for those in need. The physical healing compares little to the spiritual healing that comes from believing that Jesus is the Son of God. One is temporal, the other is eternal. But Jesus had compassion, and he demonstrated his authority by exercising his power, his authority over their ailments. He exercised that. He did do that. Jesus was compassionate, but he wanted also to teach his disciples compassion. He had compassion. He has perfect compassion. But he was also, it's, um, you know, when you, it's, it's on-the-job training, right? OJT. You're, you're, um, you're taught from the board, from a lectern, um, from textbooks, uh, but then when you actually see it, that's something else. You've you just done it a little bit, but then you see he who does it perfectly doing it, you're like, wow, that, that's amazing. That's what the Lord was doing. He spent three short years with these men. He had very little time, but he maximized that time. And he was demonstrating this compassion toward the people, denying himself, denying that leisure time, that rest, that relaxation, that little breather, you know? Like, man, you know what? There's a greater need right here. He was sharing his compassion and he was teaching his disciples that very thing. Because remember, they just came back from performing all kinds of miracles, casting out demons and healing throughout the villages and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Number two, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to demonstrate compassion for the people, which is what I was speaking of. Do you believe that God provides for you? Do you believe God provides for others? Do you believe that God provides for others sometimes through you? It's, it's not to puff you up. It's like, oh, you know, I did, I've done so much. Let, let me tell you all the great things that I've done. I gave here and I gave there and I joined this ministry and that ministry and, and, and I, I just, I, I do so much, Right? It's like, just blow yourself up because that's, that's what you're doing, right? You're puffing yourself up. That, that's, that's not what it's for. He desires to work through us, to minister to others, but it's not for us. It's to bless him in obedience. That's all it is. It's to serve as an example of what God can and desires to do through you. It's not thinking of yourself and thinking of him first and thinking of others that he desires to bless through you. That's what we need to keep in mind. This is the practical side of ministry. Jesus wasn't asking them if they were converted or born again, these people who were in need, who were on this grassy hillside. He wasn't asking, hey, you guys actually part of the church? Who? Tell me by a show of hands, who has actually surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Me. Who, who has given their lives to Jesus Christ? All of you, okay, you can eat. He didn't check that. Notice that. Right? It's beyond. Beyond that. He was just trying to teach them compassion. Why? Because has anyone not been made in the image of God? Anyone, you might think of someone that 
No, they're not made in the image of God, right? There's not one, right? God desires that none should perish, but that all should come or reach repentance, right? No, he is no respecter of persons. He simply saw a need and was teaching his disciples to meet the needs of these people at that time and in this way. How to express compassion by doing something about the need. James 2, 15 through 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, James says, what good is that? Right? Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. It means that much to the Lord. And he demonstrated it right here on this day in front of his disciples and is here for the world to see. This is, this is what we ought to do as Christians. Uh, but there was a problem. Uh, there's kind of a, a big problem here. So the disciples thought, right? They, they only had five loaves of bread and two fish. There's, you see all these people here? And when Jesus told the disciples, uh, they... They need not go away because the disciples, no doubt, you know, they were tired and all of that. They told him, hey, send them away. It's getting late. Send them away. They need to eat something. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Us? We have five loaves of bread and two fish. You guys know what Philip said? I don't have enough money. I, this, this has got to be like a year's worth of wages to feed this many people. A any of you fellows got that? Jesus. They were advising him. They were informing him of their lack. That, that's what they were doing. His closest disciples, the men that were supposed to know him best, they just got back from doing what? Performing miracles, right? They did. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, and they healed people. They saw it right in front of their eyes. We're such knuckleheads. We're 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 dumb. No wonder we call we are called sheep in the Bible. It's like I, I had one of those, and I I know firsthand. They're dumb. They are really dumb. I'm sorry, Molly. Her name's Molly. I'm so sorry, but you're dumb. <laughs> we, we, we are too. We is too, you know. We, we are. He was telling them, you know, and they were informing him, hey, listen, we, we don't have enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. But Jesus wanted to do something through the disciples to show them that nothing is impossible with God and for God that he desired to do through them. Nothing at all. In fact, we know in one of the other Gospels 
that when, before Philip said what he said about we don't have the money, um, he, he asked him and he had this conversation with him knowing what he was going to do. He knew what, was, what he was going to do. We limit ourselves with our doubt. We don't limit God. We limit ourselves with our doubt and worry and skepticism and our lack of faith. What happens is uh, that termin, uh, terminology, that, that word pass over, not in the lamb, right? But we get passed over is what happens. In, in your job, if you've ever been passed over, it's not a good feeling. That means they gave the next position to someone else. You got passed over. Many times in our lives, because of our lack of faith, our doubt, our skepticism, I only have five loaves and two fish. Um, I have too little to give, to provide, to serve with, uh, too little time, too little money, too little knowledge, too, you name it. We're like, when there's a calling, when there's a need, there's a need within the church, when there's a need in ministry, we're like, we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer. Well, we're going to get passed over. The work's still going to get done, but God's going to use someone else instead of you. And you, we, lose out on that blessing. Jesus could have left them there and said, yeah, you're right. You're right. You only have five loaves of bread and two fish in your hands. And just walk away. People are like, yeah, I told you, Philip. Right? Is it, what was he thinking, right? But he didn't do that. You feed them. What he said was, when they told him five loaves, two fish, he said, bring them here to me. Bring, bring them right here to me. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And so Jesus, as they brought the five loaves and two fish to him, he had, hey, have everyone sit down on that grassy hill. Sit them down in 50s and 100s, in groups. Sit them down. So everyone sat down. And then he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And this was no to-go meal. It's like, hey, here's your paper sack lunch. Just go home. He, he didn't do that. It was, hey, sit down. Sit down. We're going to enjoy here breaking bread together, having communion and fellowship. The boys were tired. No doubt Jesus was tired. What was more important were those people in front of him. Sit down. Relax. We're going we're gonna to break bread together. We're going to have communion. We're always in a hurry. Michael is from Phoenix, outside of Phoenix. And so I was just talking how it is that um, for those of you who live in county or have been out in the country, you know, life kind of slows down a little bit, and it's nice. It's, it's nice to just kind of, ah, right, just rest. For those of us who have been in the city for a long time, we don't know that. We really don't. We need to learn to slow down and rest in the Lord. We do. We need to learn that. Sometimes we think we know that, and then something comes up, and we're stressed out. There's nothing too hard for him. Slow down. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to fellowship with you. Slow down. Notice what takes place here. 
Jesus broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. We see this in verse 19. Jesus took the little they had. Jesus multiplied it in his hands and then gave it back to the disciples and had them distribute the bread and the fish to the crowds. It was for them to do it. He was multiplying it and giving it back to them. So here Jesus, bless it, do whatever you're going to do. He multiplied it, and, and he kept giving it to them. How much? How much did, did, uh, did he give to them? Well, enough to satisfy all of them, all of them. All in the Greek is, is all. It, it's all. We can study it a bit more, but I think it means all. Just every single one of them were satisfied. They were full. They were content. They were good. This is the Son of God who multiplied the little they had, and with that provided for thousands of people. There are plenty of lessons here for us, and, and here's where we're going to just start ap- applying these, uh, these things. Number one, consider the needs of others as more important than your own needs. Really important. We need to start off with that. Consider the needs of others as more important than your own needs. Was, was this not the lesson that Jesus was teaching his disciples? Tired, beat, hungry, let's, let's go into town and ourselves get something to eat, or maybe you know, what we have here, send them off. But no, Jesus was teaching them, no, put, put the needs of others before your own needs. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let, let each of you not only look to his own interests. It's not denying ourselves. It's not like, okay, so we're just going to, you know, not look after our own interests. I mean, we have needs, right? We are to take care of ourselves, but consider the needs of others before yours. Because it says here, but also to the interests of others, not just looking after your own interests. Jesus had just heard, again, I remind you, Jesus had just heard of the murder of John the Baptist. He's acquainted with our grief. He's acquainted with our pain. He knew it very well. It's not like, okay, so Jesus heard of this and was like, "Mm, oh well, I'll see him later. No, he was was pained. He was full of pain. So consider that. He's full of pain. He was tired and he was hungry. And Jesus had withdrawn for much needed rest, but Jesus denied himself and poured into the people what they needed most first. And then he gave them some food. So what did he give them first? Remember, he taught them and healed them. He taught them. He was proclaiming the gospel. That's what he gave them first. Number two, Jesus gave the people manna from heaven before giving them bread from the earth. But he, prov- but he did provide both. He did provide both. Jesus didn't just give them food. He knew they were hungry also. He knew the disciples were hungry and tired, as he was. But Jesus first taught them all day and healed them. 
Jesus ministered to them, and then he gave them food. This speaks of priority. The priority of the gospel above all else, even to physical food. Sometimes we say that people won't listen to the gospel until they are satisfied physically. That's not true. That's, that's just not true. They may listen for different reasons, maybe just to get the food. Um, that's between them and the Lord. But the most, most important thing is, is not the physical food, but it's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what's most important. Otherwise, many would never come to faith in Jesus. All the people's problems would need to be taken care of before we bring them the gospel. Jesus' concern was to seek and save the lost, but he also had a deep concern for them. He had compassion for them and fed them. Can you imagine, hey, listen, uh, let's make sure that everything that you have going on, all the problems, we're going like, to take care of them all, and then I'm going to tell you about Jesus Christ. No, I, I'm telling you, even when, when you do hear the gospel and you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your life will not be perfect, but you will have a hope that transcends all of that. You will know a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's like, hmm, steady as she goes. It, it really doesn't matter what's going on around me. My eyes are focused on Jesus Christ, for he is my hope. He is my prize. He is my goal. One day I will be with him. All this will pass away, it'll be behind. That's eternal. This is temporal. Don't try to satisfy people's physical and life needs before telling them the good news. Give it to them anyway. Number three, surrender what you have to Jesus and he will make it enough to serve the people that are before you. This is really important for us to understand. The disciples, even though they were themselves performing miracles and healing as they proclaimed the kingdom of God to everyone, failed to initially see that God could multiply that which they had and satisfy those that were before them. In fact, they even had food left over. How many baskets? Twelve. They, they had food left over. Now, the people didn't know. They didn't know about the conversation between the disciples and Jesus. The disciples after all, we're advising Jesus to send them away because it was a desolate place. It was getting late. It was evening. And they, they needed to go away to get some food before it's too late. Right? Go somewhere else. Nothing more for you here. We're done with our J-O-B, with our job. We've done enough. Sometimes people treat ministry that way. Be careful. It's like, you know what? I've done my part. You know, one of the things, my pet peeves from years ago, as, as I was in leadership management and, uh, you know, all of that, when someone would say, that's not my, oh, man, I hated that. It's like, what's wrong with you? If you can do it, do it. Well, that's out, outside of the scope of my work. What? I, I just need that done. Sometimes we treat it like a job and we just check, well, that's my ministry. You know, th those other things, you know, I'm not going to go to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. No, this is a living, breathing organism right here. This is a family. We're supposed to be interested in one another. This is a one another family group thing. This is where we come together. 
That's who we are. The disciples, even though they were themselves performing miracles and healing, they, they, they failed to see initially that God could multiply and even satisfy those that were before them that were in need. The people didn't know again. So Jesus was teaching them something very important. He said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. In other words, Jesus was with them, and they were about to learn that if they surrender what they do have to Jesus, then he will multiply it, and the people will be taken care of when they begin to distribute what they need. I mean, this is really important for ministry especially. I don't have much. It doesn't matter. There's a need in front of you. There's a need within the community. There, there's a need. There's, there's a need, right? There's a lot of lost people out there. A lot of people who it's important for us to be used by God to go out and just proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Well, I, I don't have much. Give it to Jesus. He'll multiply it. He'll give it back to you. Bless it. Go and do what you need to do. Go and do what you need to do. Go where you've been and do what you've been called to do. Now, if the people themselves left, they could have gone and, and uh, gotten something to eat, received it, but they would miss fellowship and communion with Jesus and seek for themselves what he was more than able to provide for them if they just remained. The, the one thing that they would miss if they were to go get the physical food is that communion and fellowship with the Lord. That's what they would have missed. Fourth. Keep coming back to Jesus for what you need to serve others with. The disciples could not carry all the food that it took to serve the thousands of people that were sitting on the hillside. Imagine, it's like, okay, so we gave you a little bit, so we expect you to give, give us everything now that we need. Now, right now. I see how you are with other people. You give them so much. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand. They keep coming back to me. The disciples, they fed how many people? Like 50 thought 15 to 20,000 people, 12 of them. That, that takes a while, but the only way they could carry that much food back to them is if they kept coming back to Jesus. It's like, oh, he keeps giving me more, and then you keep going back, and you keep distributing the food, and that's what they were doing. They kept coming back to Jesus, getting a little bit more, and then going, and I'm sure their faith was built up as they gave to Jesus what they had, and in turn, he gave them enough to serve the people that was before them. He did it. Jesus did it. They didn't do it. They were just the delivery boys. They were the servers. They were the waiters. They were just bringing the food. As they came back to Jesus, he would give them some more baskets full of bread and fish, and they would in turn go out to the people and give it to them until they were all satisfied. They had received what they needed. Jesus will provide what you need for the needs of others, and you need to keep coming back to him for more, for more, and trust that he will give it to you until the work is done, until those who are before you are satisfied, and then there's going to be more. So keep coming back. So a lot, a lot of things that we can look at here. But I want to close this morning by just reiterating the, these, these four principles. Number one, consider the needs of others as more important than your own needs. Number one. Number two, 
Jesus gave the people manna from heaven before giving them bread from the earth, earthly food. But he did provide both. So don't, don't forget, don't, it's not the social gospel, for that's no gospel at all. He didn't say, well, our whole purpose here is to feed the multitudes. No, no. Remember, he taught all day. Anything other than just the gospel of Jesus Christ is another gospel. Okay, please know that. There's there's just one gospel. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Right? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it, right? So, at the same time, though, hey, if there's someone in need and you have the means to help them out, help them out. Help them out. That's what we are to do. Number three, surrender what you have to Jesus, and he will make it enough to serve the people that are before you. And number four, keep coming back to Jesus for what you need to serve others. Keep coming back to him. He's going to give you a little more, and then go. Come back to him a little more, and then you go. You keep doing this. And in all of this, you will find, you want to talk about fulfillment? You want to talk about purpose? You want to talk about being refreshed? It's like, yeah, you, you keep serving, you keep blessing the Lord, you keep coming back from war and going out and, and serving. This didn't stop, this kept going. In fact, the disciples after Jesus went to the cross, was buried three days later, rose from the grave, appeared to his disciples over the course of 40 days, and then ascended today, seated at the right hand of the Father. After all of that, they only increased what they were doing. They increased it. Why? Because they knew it was true. That's why. People don't lie and die for something that is a lie. This was all true, and this is all true. And so how true is it for you and I today to do that very same thing? He'll refresh us. As we come to him, today you're sitting, you're receiving, you're being encouraged, built up, you're, being, uh, you're, you're, you're understanding the love, the heart of God, how it is that he had compassion over the multitudes, and yet the first thing he did was proclaim the gospel. And then he fed them. He had this compassion. It was for the gospel and for the needs of others. And so I pray that that would be us this morning. That you would be encouraged to be that very person that walks through these things, this lesson this morning and applies it to your life. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is, this is a, an intimate and loving and amazing God. In fact, besides him, there is no other. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Cry out to him, proclaim, just confess your sins to him and and ask him for forgiveness. I wasn't fed before I came to Christ. I wasn't satisfied with all my other needs before I came to Christ. I was just told, hey, your sins separate you from the Father. Jesus came to die for you, to pay for your sins. And It's by grace through faith in him that you have salvation. You know forgiveness. You can have that hope of forever being in the presence of the Lord. I, it was at that point, I remember, I just, I knew it. That, that's it. 
I had been looking in like all different places, trying to be satisfied, content, and fulfilled in this life, and it just wasn't coming. If you knew me before Christ, you would know that conversion is real. You would, you would know. It's like, oh, there, there's no way. This guy right here. I mean, people that know me from before, seriously, right? They're like, you? Yeah, me. There's no place that God's hand cannot reach. There's no one that's done too much that cannot know salvation. For God wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I pray, if that's you this morning, that you come to that place, you simply cry out to the Lord and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. It can be that simple. It's just by, by his grace and not by works. Just faith, crying out to him. I'm yours. That's it. Change my heart. Make it yours. I want to walk with you. I want to know that hope. I want to know that peace. I want to know that assurance of heaven. I want to know those things. And this will be the beginning. So let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Lord, we, um, we are truly thankful for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us and you've demonstrated to us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you that, you can come to, uh, that we can come to you at any time. You're not too tired. You haven't done too much. You haven't reminded us too often. We haven't failed you so much that you turn your back from us. For not a one of us are righteous. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, Lord, with that, this is the, the ground at the foot of the cross is, is level. All of us are in the same place. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. I, I do pray for anyone who's here who doesn't know you personally, Father, that they simply cry out to you and ask, Lord, that you would forgive them, and Lord, that they would know salvation in Jesus Christ. I pray for the church, that we would take these principles that we have seen here in these verses and, and apply them to our lives, that we would give you the glory, we would serve you, we would not hold back, we would not make excuses, Lord, for not doing what you have before us to do and to live, but we would honor and glorify you. And so, Father, we are so thankful for your love. We just give you all the praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.